Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 20. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. In verse 14 and 15, Jonathan said, David, I know that you are going to be king. And I know that God is going. Are y'all getting? Jonathan has more faith in God than David. Jonathan, I know you. David, I know you're going to be king. You're not going to die. Calm down. He's got more faith in David and what God is going to do in David than David does. And that's kind of how it happens, isn't it? Sometimes when you're going through stuff, you can't see it. It takes a brother or a sister to come up and say, listen, God's got a work for you to do. And you need to stay the course. And get your eyes off that little bit of drama. And look at all that God is doing. You know, one, one little bit of drama in the church can take your eyes off of the whole kingdom. Somebody once said the squeaky wheel gets the grease. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. I could say gets the Crisco, but gets the... <laughs> the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And it's true. So you got all this stuff. Good. You got one thing going on over here, and these people are saying this, and they're saying that, and they're blowing you up on Facebook, and they're talking about you, and this, that, and the third, and the And God is doing such a great, beautiful work in the entire church among thousands. But all you see is that one thing that's bothering you. David, God's got a great plan for your life. <laughs> My father's not going to kill you. It can't happen. Dave, Jonathan has more faith in what the Lord's going to do in David's life than David does. Jonathan says, I know that God's going to cut off every one of your enemies. And it's interesting because the throne should have been Jonathan's by birth. But Jonathan understood the throne is going to David. Isn't that interesting? It's Jonathan's by birth, but David's by anointing and destiny. And Jonathan wasn't bitter about that. I find that interesting. Jonathan said, David, promise me that you'll show me in verse 14 and 15, you'll show me kindness and my family also. And the reason that they're making this covenant is because, listen, it's very common in those days when um, another king or another dynasty took the throne that that previous that that new king would wipe out everyone from the previous kingdom men women children boys girls cats dogs hamsters everything gotta go everything so they would wipe out everything and start a new kingdom so jonathan says david listen promise me that you will take care and watch out for my family forever And Jonathan and David agreed to care for everyone, 
forever in Jonathan's family. Listen, David made good on that promise. How did he do that? How do you know, Pastor? I know because, yes, sir, you know your Bible. I see you. But Fibosheth. 2 Samuel chapter 9, go there with me quickly. Come on. 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. 1 Samuel. 2 Samuel is right after 1 Samuel. Amen. Wasn't that deep? That was deep. That was deep. I don't care what y'all say. That was deep. 2 Samuel chapter 9. Mephibosheth. David makes good on that promise. 2 Samuel chapter 9. I, I got to read this. Lord, help me. I've got 17 minutes. Now, David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, are you Ziba? And he said, at your service. And then the king said, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? And Ziba said to the king, well, there is still a son of Jonathan, He's lame in his feet. So the king said to him, where is he? And Ziba said to the king, indeed, he is in the house of Mercur, the son of Emil in Lodabar. Well, then King David sent and he brought him out of the house of Mercur, the son of Emil from Lodabar. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul had come to David, he fell on his face prostrate before him. And David said to him, Mephibosheth? And he answered, Here's your servant. And David's king now. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan. Ah, Jonathan, your father's sake, not for your grandfather's sake. Not for Saul, but for Jonathan. And I'll restore. Again, are y'all picking that up? Making good on this covenant in verse 14 and 15. So in verse 14 and 15, if you want to sneak back over there, just write down 2 Samuel chapter 9 because that's your reference for 14 and 15. Mephibosheth, don't fear. I'm going to show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I'll restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. And then he bowed himself and he said, what is your servant that you look upon me? I'm, I'm just like a dead dog. And the king called the Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You, therefore, and your sons and your servants shall work the land for him, and you shall bring in the harvest that your master's son have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table Always Now, Ziba had 15 boys and 20 servants, and he put them all under Mephibosheth. This is a rags to riches story. He put them all under the leadership of Mephibosheth. Then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, and he ate continually at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. Now stop right there, saints. Listen. This is a great, great, great story. 
Now there's a time of rest. Here in 2 Samuel chapter 9, there's a time of rest. And David begins to remember his promise to Jonathan. And in verse 2, David called this guy named Ziba, whose name means plantation, if you're taking notes. And David asked, is there someone of Saul's family I can show kindness to? And Ziba said, well, Mephibosheth, the, the lame son of Jonathan. And David said, where is he? And Ziba said, he's living in Lodabar. And David said, bring him here. Now, Mephibosheth was lame in his feet. And just really quick, how he became lame, he wasn't born that way. How he became lame in his feet is because Saul and Jonathan were um, battling the Philistines and had been defeated by the Philistines. And Jonathan left Mephibosheth, his son, in the care of this woman. And when she heard about the battle and she heard that Saul and Jonathan were dead, she took off running because she knew that everyone from the previous dynasty is going to be killed. So she took off running, and while she was running, she dropped Mephibosheth. And he was lame in his feet from that day forward. Now listen, let me get all Dr. Phil on you, okay? You got to keep in mind, in those days, there was no pain meds. There was no doctors. There was no cast to reset the feet. This boy Mephibosheth is psychologically, physically, emotionally traumatized. No mommy kisses to make things better. He's, he's damaged about the age of five years old. And so Mephibosheth is living in now many years later in Lodabar. Lodabar means no pasture, write it down, no pasture, barrenness, green, no greenery, desolate. Lodabar is east of the Jordan River. It was a city in the midst of barrenness. It was in Lodabar that Mephibosheth lost his rank and prestige. It was in Lodabar that Mephibosheth lost his reputation and respectability. It was in Lodabar that Mephibosheth lost his superiority and self-will. Mephibosheth went from living in the palace to living in the hood. And Mephibosheth goes from prince to servant, from powerful to afraid, living in a barren place. Now, just real quick, I see Mephibosheth as a picture of all mankind. The Bible says when you came into the world, we came into the world fallen, broken, lame. We found ourselves living in a barren place, crippled by sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we've all fallen and come short of the glory of God. And a greater than David calls us to himself. Like David called Mephibosheth to him. And if my guess is right, there are many Mephibosheths in this room. Crippled by despair and living in Lodabar, crippled by death, uh, the death of a loved one, crippled by disease, crippled by the things of your past, crippled by unforgiveness. Don't you understand that unforgiveness cripples you? Some are crippled by internet pornography. Can I encourage you? Jesus is calling you out of Lodabar today, and he is trying to set you free, just like David set Mephibosheth free. Well, the Bible tells us that David called for him and he came into David's presence and he laid down before David and David said, Mephibosheth, tone is everything. Tone is everything. 
When Mephibosheth came in, did David go, Mephibosheth, where you been? Boy, what you been doing? Or did he say, Mephibosheth? I think it was more like that. Mephibosheth? Because him and his dad were like this. They were brothers. Mephibosheth. Just a loving tone in his voice. He said, here is your servant. All these years have gone by. Think about that from, from, from Mephibosheth's standpoint. All these years has gone by, and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door, and a man tells you the king wants to see you. And so they load him up, and he's off to see the king. And Mephibosheth is probably afraid, and he's knocking, teeth chattering, palms sweating. He's probably thinking, is my will up to date? The king wants to see me. We know Mephibosheth was afraid. Because verse 7 tells us he was afraid. Amen. And David says, I'm not going to blast you. I'm going to bless you. Mephibosheth sees David, and David sees Mephibosheth. And David probably says, boy, you look just like your daddy. David sees the characteristics of his best friend, Jonathan, just like when God sees us, he sees Jesus. He doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. And the Bible says we're accepted in the beloved. So David is looking at Mephibosheth, and you got to wonder what they were talking about around that table. They probably were talking about Jonathan. David probably said, hey, I can tell you some stories about your dad. He was something else. And he'd do anything for me. He even lied for me. He'd do anything for me. And while I was at the pastor's conference, I saw Micah Chapel. Micah Chapel is the son of my pastor. Now, I came here from California, but y'all know how it is. One, one, one man becomes your pastor. That's it. You could go to 10 churches. I don't recommend that. You heard that sermon. You can go to 10 churches, but only one, one man that God uses to speak into your life. Am I right about it? Bob Chapel was that man. Bob Chapel was a little bit country. I was a little bit rock and roll. We traveled all over Japan, missions trips everywhere. Him and his guitar singing country, and I'm singing country with him. <laughs> it was great. And he passed away. He had some liver problems or some kind of something that he got in India. And God used it to take him home. God's going to use something to take us home. We all got to go out of here somehow. In his case, it was something with his liver. And some parasite from India. And I saw Micah Chapel. And I said, boy, you look just like your daddy. And he really does. He's pastoring in Calvary Chapel that his dad started in Greece, New York. And we talked, and I told him, I said, man, your dad, God is my living witness. I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for your dad. Because your dad showed me how to walk with Jesus. Your dad showed me that not to be religious. 
that I can love the Lord, I don't have to be religious. And I don't have to say praise the Lord after everything I say. And I don't have to speak in tongues and hallelujah and the glory to God. And he's with me all over me because the Lord is with me. And I'm telling you. No people like that. Preachers like that. Bob showed me how to walk with Jesus. Walk with him. You don't. And I told him, I said, we just talked and I just shared with him. I wouldn't be here without you, Dad. I really, I just, I wouldn't. Because I just don't like religion. I don't like religious people. And I don't think Jesus likes religious people. Jesus said, follow me. He didn't say follow Calvary Chapel. He didn't say follow the Baptists or the Pentecostals or the Lutherans. He said, follow me. Well, David is sitting there talking to Mephibosheth, and I'm sure that they're going over uh, Jonathan's life and David and Mephibosheth. David says to Mephibosheth, I'm, I'm giving you all that belonged to your grandfather. This is a rags to riches story. Go back to uh, 1 Samuel. We got to move forward. All right, look at verse 17. Now, we're going to come before landing in just about five minutes. Look at verse 17. Now, Jonathan, and we're going to wrap this up right here, okay? Now, Jonathan again caused David to, to, uh, to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And then Jonathan said to David, tomorrow is a new moon and you will be missed because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed and remain at the stone of Ezel. The stone of Ezel. That means stone of destiny. Ezel means stone of destiny or stone that shows the way. Stone of destiny or stone that shows the way. Then I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot at a target. And there I will send a lad saying, go find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, look, the arrows are on this side of you. Get them and come. And then as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way, for the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed, the Lord be with be, be between you and me forever. And then David hid in the field. And when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. And the king sat at his seat, as in other times, on a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose, and Abner sat by Saul's side, but David's place was empty. Now, nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that, that day, for he thought something has happened to him. He must be unclean, or he's got a cold or something, and Surely he, he just can't be here. Well, the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty again. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has the son of Jesse not come to eat, either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me. Huh? Y'all watching this? David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem, and he said, please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now, if I have found favor in your eyes, please let me go and get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. 
And then in verse 30, Saul's anger was aroused against his son. And he said to him, you son of a perverse. And that don't sound like that to me in my head. But we're going to leave that alone. We're going to leave that alone. All right. (laughs) You son of a perverse. What do you think about your wife? (laughs) Perverse, rebellious woman. Do I? Not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established nor your kingdom. Now, therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul's father and said to him, why should he be killed? What has he done? And Saul cast a spear at his son. By which Jonathan knew, okay, this is a sign. (laughs) (laughs) this is a sign that my dad is not happy. He knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. And so Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and he ate no food the second day of the month for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out in the field at at the appointed time with David and a little lad was with him. And then he said to the lad, now run. The arrows which I shoot. As the lad ran, he shot an arrow behind him. And when the lad had come to the place where the arrow was, which which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan cried out after the lad, Make haste, hurry, don't delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up all the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew about this covenant. And then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and he said to him, go, carry him in the city. And as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from the place where Ezel, the stone of destiny, toward the south. He fell on his face to the ground. He bowed three times and they kissed one another and they began to weep. And David, he cried even more. And then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace. Since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, may the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. And so he arose and he departed. And Jonathan went into the city. And so Jonathan says, listen, David, go. And when you see, I'm going to pretend I'm at target practice and I'm going to shoot three arrows. And I'm going to bring one of my assistants so it doesn't look funny. If I expressly say to the boy, the arrows are on this side, then you come back because everything is good with my father. And if I shoot arrows over you beyond David, get out of town. Notice the statement, for the Lord. That kind of struck me. For the Lord has sent you away. I told you, God is doing all this. God is sending you away. And may The Lord be between me and you. And so, Jonathan and David, they fall on each other and they weep. And they they weep because they know that they'll never see each other again. Because Saul and Jonathan are going to go to battle. And they're going to be killed by the Philistines. And David then will... Uh, take the throne. So it's a good story. It's a good story to read to your 
Kids, sons, good for you to know, your dad knows when you're lying. Your dad knows when you're lying. He knew when he was lying. Where's David? Um, well, um, he's, you know, wanted to go to um, dinner with his family. See, you know, they were getting together and, at Bethlehem and, you know. <laughs> and dad said, <laughs> David is an outlaw and a fugitive. Jonathan told David, go in peace. May the Lord be between me and you, my seed and your seed. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.